you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. As you can see, I'm in a different apartment than usual. That's pretty fucking exciting. I uh, officially moved to New York City. This is my New York City apartment. It's probably really echoey, and I apologize for how echoey it is. Not much that I can do about it yet. It, my, It's completely bare. It's fucking empty in here right now, and that sucks, but we'll get it. We're just waiting to get all of my stuff up here, and I'm actually leaving in the morning to go back to West Virginia to get all of my stuff. Or not all of my stuff, just get more stuff, basically. I'm really excited, man. I'm so fucking happy to live in New York City, and it is the shit. I don't have any food in my fridge yet because I haven't gone shopping, right? But there is anything that you could ever imagine, like right downstairs. In the area that I live, there are basically like big apartment complexes like they're not skyscrapers they're mostly five stories tall some of them get up to like 30 stories tall in my area they're mostly shorter buildings but the first floor of every single building is shops food places dunkin donuts and sushi and fucking everything just everything it is so awesome i love it man it, it's just the shit i'm so glad to be here so fucking glad and I have you guys to thank. You guys are the ones that helped me get here. So I cannot thank you guys enough, for real. It's just the best. I figured I'd tell you guys why it's super fucking echoey in here and why the wall behind me is completely bare. I don't have my game systems yet either. They're all packed up in boxes and I fucking miss them, man. I miss my games, my like my retro game collection, you know? It's going to be at least two weeks before I can get all of my game systems here and set up. I don't even have a fucking couch in here. I have a single chair and a single desk. And on top of all of that, I had, usually I have, um, I have a Mac that I use for video editing and a Windows computer that I use for other business, like accounting and things like that for my businesses and stuff. And... I usually I have like two monitors for my Windows computer over here and two monitors for my Mac over here, right? So that I can do the editing on it. And I, this apartment is smaller. So I had this four monitor mount in my attic that I haven't used in like five years. So I pull out the four monitor mount and I set it all up and I put the Mac monitors on top and the Windows monitors on bottom. So when I read articles, I'm going to lay back like this so that I can read it. It's up here. <laughs> I'm probably going to fix that. I'm not sure I really like the four monitor mount. It's too much. I look like a hacker. I'm going to take a picture of it before I take it down and I'll post it to Twitter. But it's it's a lot. So I just want to get my triple monitor mount and put everything back the way it was in my other apartment. But anyway. It's going to be at least two weeks before we get all of our furniture here. Even our beds, I'm on an air mattress. But I'm not in West Virginia, and that's what matters. God, I'm so fucking happy to be in the Northeast again. I grew up in the Northeast, like in Connecticut. I could not be happier, seriously, to be in this area. Fucking love 
the Northeast. Anyway, but I do live in an apartment complex, so I'm going to have to be a little bit quieter on my rants. Like, I, I don't know that I can be super loud on, on my rants. By the by, I see somebody asking questions about the cats and things like that. Asexual atheist for your family, including the cats. I appreciate that very much. The cats aren't here yet. The cats are still in West Virginia. We're leaving tomorrow morning to get the cats. We're leaving on Tuesday. We're um, staying the night on Wednesday to pack some things up. And then we're coming back on Thursday with the cats. Jesse Schodel, glad you got moved in. How's Kylie doing? Kylie is doing well. She's doing well. She's doing okay. All right, I'll, I'll give you guys this update. Since I moved into my new apartment, basically, even though I am going back to West Virginia, I feel that it's now safe to talk about. Um, I sent Kylie with my mom in Connecticut because my mom was the only person out of state that I knew and that I knew Kylie would be safe with, basically. And it's been like three years since my mom has seen Kylie. She was a little kid when she saw her last. She's a teenager now, basically. And Kylie has a mind of her own. And my mom learned that the hard way. Kylie has been inflammatory, I guess you could say, uh, a little bit. She's laid it on pretty heavy, talking about the bite model and the influence continuum and how the new personality is a sign of a cult. My mom was trying to convert her and Kylie was having none of it, which I'm proud of her for that. I just wish she'd get along with my mom for this short period of time, you know, when we needed to. They, they were having a hard time dealing with each other. But Kylie's coming back home to the new apartment on Friday, so I can't wait to see her. It's going to be fucking awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. So anyways, yeah, that's where Kylie has been. She went with my mom. And me dealing with my mom through this time has been a challenge, too. My mom supported what I did with the teacher, believes that I did the right thing by reporting her and everything, surprisingly. But it's like every other fucking day, I'm dealing with my mom talking shit about apostates and then deciding she can't talk to me anymore about anything except for Kylie. And then she opens up again and she just starts talking and saying, you know, I've got this chair over here if you want to take it to your new apartment. And then she just locks down again. She's like, I'm not talking about anything except for Kylie all over again. It's like this fucking roller coaster up and down, up and down. Like pick a fucking side. Either you're going to talk to me or you're not. It's insufferable. But you know what? She helped me through this by taking Kylie in. Um, so we'll just deal with it, I guess. And Kylie will be back here on Friday for the first time. Hasn't seen the place yet. And we'll have the cats here on Thursday. So it'll be awesome. I can't wait to get the cats and Kylie in here. And I can't wait to get a fucking couch. My God, it sucks not having a couch. Been sitting on the floor and stuff. I got my chair here, but, you know, my girlfriend's been sitting on the floor a lot, even though we brought one of these chairs for her, too. But anyway, so that's the update. That's the teacher update. Uh, we will be moved in completely in the next two weeks, hopefully. 
Hi, Owen. This is Meg from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and I had a question for you. And I don't know if this is, you know, like a private question, but um, so I was watching the Jehovah's Witnesses Don't Date Ever video, and I was wondering if um, those type of situations were what made you end up on drugs in the first place. Like, um, I can't imagine, like, I, I'm a recovered heroin addict, so I do understand, and not that we can pinpoint why we did drugs or whatever, but... Like, do you think that had anything to do with with it? Like, was it sounded very stressful? So I was just wondering if the two had anything in common. Have a great day. I hope you guys are safe. Hope you and your family are doing well and are safe. Ultimately, it sounds to me like the question is, did Jehovah's Witnesses contribute to me becoming a drug addict when I did? And the answer is yes, to some degree, it did. You mentioned a video that I put out a while back, Jehovah's Witnesses don't date ever, or something like that. And I think the whole idea behind what you were saying is that Jehovah's Witnesses are very, very strict as a religion, and they want to program in a new personality into you. They want you to be like them. They want you to be a clone of what they want. And when you get to a point where... That just doesn't work. When you get to the point where you're fighting it like that, they don't like that. They don't want to deal with somebody who's going to fight the personality in that way. And you end up leaving. And when you leave, they've specifically set it up in such a way that you will lose everything and everybody that you ever cared about in your life when you leave the religion. That's the result of not fitting their mold and putting on their new personality, as they call it. When you leave and lose everything like that, inevitably, you're going to go down a bad path. I did go down a bad path because I lost everything. I was already on my way down a bad path at that point, but Jehovah's Witnesses put the gas pedal on. They accelerated it. So I, I can't say that I blame the religion entirely for my life choices. I don't. I can't say that in good conscience. But they put their foot on the pedal as much as they could and rammed me right into a wall. Hi, Owen. This is Andre from Olympia, Washington. I was wondering, <clears throat> what is your opinion on tarot cards and reading crystal balls. I kind of look at it as kind of harmless on one end, but at the other it can be kind of detrimental for those who have mental illness. And I realize it's not a cult, but how do you feel about this stuff? Bye. When I was leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, that's something that I started looking into, tarot cards and stuff, because I found it interesting. I wasn't allowed to before. I remember a time I went to my aunt's house, who I didn't really hang out with very often, didn't really know her, but we were visiting family in Connecticut, so we went to see her. My mom and I did, and my mom went out for the evening with a friend of hers, and my Aunt Pat had a friend come over, and I was at my aunt's house, and her friend comes over and gives her a free tarot card reading. And it freaked me out so bad. I was like, oh my God, tarot cards, I'm gonna get Satan all in me. Looking back on it now, I realize how absolutely fucking completely absurd that, that mindset was. 
But when I left the religion, I really wanted to look into it and see what it was all about. Tarot cards are ultimately complete bullshit. Tarot cards are nothing more than cards that are general enough. Their meaning is defined in a book, and they're general enough to apply to everybody in any situation. So you get the death card, for example, and the death card has a, a list of meanings. You can get like tarot cards for dummies or whatever. And look, and the death card means you have dealt with death in your life. You may be close to dying. You may know somebody who died at some point in your life, a grandmother when you were three, an uncle when you were 10. Doesn't matter. Death has touched your life in some way. Tell me who in the world hasn't experienced that? Who do you know in the world who hasn't had a friend or a family member or somebody important to them die? Everybody has. That's the idea behind tarot cards. Make them general enough that they will, no matter what card comes up, it will apply to that person in some way. There's a lot of mysticism around tarot cards too, like you're not supposed to buy a deck. You're supposed to have a deck gifted to you. That's how they work the best and stuff like that. It's just bullshit, man. You know, to some degree, it is fun bullshit. It, it's kind of entertaining to look through it and see how it all worked and read the history of it. But there are people who take that shit seriously, and it stops being fun at that point. Like, people go to psychics and expect them to fix their lives. That shit is wrong. It really fucks people's lives up sometimes, trusting in this charlatan psychic to give them good advice when they don't know the first fucking thing about their lives. They could be giving them really bad advice, and they'd never know. So in my opinion, tarot cards specifically were entertaining when I was leaving the religion, but astrology and tarot cards and crystal balls and psychics are really fucking harmful. People should be really careful not to fall into this trap of believing it because it, it's damaging. Next, we're going to talk about Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White, and her new role in politics. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is about Paula White. Now, you guys may remember this woman uh, as Trump's spiritual advisor, but I think she's most popular for this clip right here. Strike and 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 strike until you have victory. Yeah, it goes on like that for a while. Do you guys remember this clip? This specific clip from her, I think, is like a minute and a half long. Now, I wanted to listen to some of it, obviously not the whole thing, but I want you to get a good idea of who this woman is and what kind of shit she does before we actually talk about the article. In this specific clip, she was talking about 
the fact that she was praying for Trump to win the election. I believe it was either right before the election or right after the election. And she was praying for angels to come down from heaven and protect Trump. I mean, remember, she's Trump's spiritual advisor. So let's continue listening. You have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. Again, so cringy. Why? Why are you like this? Why do you do these things? You're so fucking cringy. And isn't this outfit she's wearing a little bit immodest, showing shoulder like this? That's weird, right? That she's she's doing the whole shoulder thing here? Anyways, that's who Paula White is. There's another clip I wanted to show you from her where she's, again, supporting Trump and trying to claim that he won and blah, blah, blah. So let's watch this one. We push back every agenda that would that would release a premature satanic agenda in the name of Jesus. Anything that would that would be of an antichrist spirit, we break it right now in the name of Jesus. Every antichrist spirit, we break it right now. You know, take a look at this woman's boots. Look at her boots there. You see those? Those are like crazy looking boots look they're like they come up to her knees and they're like stilettos that's nuts right also make note of the guy in the background here with a 45 on his shirt this jersey is a 45 i'm under the impression that he chose to wear this shirt that says 45 for trump because he was the 45th president i i'm guessing that that's the case because a lot of televangelists were selling their shirts that said, pray for 45, in the style of a jersey like this. My assumption is that he's wearing the shirt for that reason. Uh, anyway, let's keep watching. Every antichrist agenda that is being pushed, we break it, we override it, we overturn it, we overturn it, we overturn it in the name of Jesus. Right now, God, we just declare that you will keep the feet of POTUS in his purpose and his position right now. We stop and we override the will of man for the will of God. We override the will of man for the will of God. We override the will of man for the will of Watch this woman in the bottom right corner here. Um, you can see her wandering around aimlessly uh, in the red shirt here. Watch her wandering around aimlessly while they do this kind of bizarre speaking in tongues slash singing kind of thing. Also note this person laying flat on their face on the ground will of man for the will of god we override the will of man for the will of god even when they call cry out and say give us a king give us a king give us a king give us all give us all give us all and you say you don't want Saul, you don't want Saul, you don't want Saul. we override the will of man for the will of god right now and we ask by the mercy and the blood of jesus that you overturn it 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 overturn any will of man for the will of God right now all the repetitive stuff all of the repeating that she did all of the chants and singing and things like that that all comes straight from the bite model all that stuff is designed specifically 
to put people in a meditative kind of trance-like state in an effort to make them more impressionable. You see this a lot in Pentecostal churches, like extreme evangelical Pentecostal churches. You know, they'll sing and they'll dance and clap and, and get themselves all worked up into this blood frenzy over Jesus. That's how this stuff works. This is a sign of a cult. So that's who this woman is, Paula White. Now, she's got a new role to play. Like I said, she was Trump's uh, spiritual advisor. And this article on Right Wing Watch, written by Peter Montgomery, the title is Team Trump Launches America First Policy Institute with Paula White Leading Center for American Values. So let's give this Right Wing Watch article a read and see what it has to say. American voters rejected former President Donald Trump at the ballot box in 2020, but he and his team are not going away quietly, or at all. As Axios reported Tuesday, a group of Trump administration officials and advisors is launching the America First Policy Institute, which its president, Brooke Rollins, says in a launch video, is working to save the soul of this country and continue the transformative changes that happened over the last four years. AFPI's website lists at least 17 policy areas, or what it calls centers, quote-unquote. 1776, the American child, American freedom, American prosperity, American values, the American worker, American security, education opportunity, election integrity, energy independence, a healthy America. I'm not sure what all of this shit means. Like, I, I feel like a lot of this is just like the titles are just dog whistling to things that Trump wants people to think about, like this whole election integrity thing. Trump was never interested in election integrity. He was only interested in winning. And if he could use the guise of election integrity to his advantage, then he would. I want election integrity too. Nothing that I've seen Trump do has ever furthered the goal of election integrity. A healthy America, homeland security and immigration, law and justice, media accountability, new frontiers together, opportunity now, second chances. These are the things that Trump always went after the the things that he rode on uh or the things that he rode as waves things that he ostensibly cared about but never really did anything to further guy held complete control of the government complete control for years two years republicans controlled the house the senate the presidency and the supreme court Every branch of government controlled by Republicans, every branch for two years, 2017 to 2019. And we don't have any of this shit that Trump wanted, apparently. Why not? Was he sitting on his ass the whole time? What happened? Who dropped the fucking ball? Somebody dropped the ball. And after 2019, Democrats only controlled one piece, one half of one branch of the U.S. government, which is the House of Representatives. The Senate, the Supreme Court, and the presidency were still Republican-controlled. Why didn't Trump get all of this shit done throughout his entire presidency? Why not? The Center for American Values is being led by Trump's spiritual advisor and former White House aide, Paula White, whose one-voice prayer movement served as a platform for Christian nationalism and an unofficial public relations and campaign arm of the Trump campaign. White regularly denounced Trump's political opponents as demonic. Yeah, that's not uncommon. We hear 
people doing that constantly. Pat Roberts has a giant fucking list of things that are demonic. It's ridiculous. And I hope to cover it on a main channel video sometime soon. At the January 6th rally from which Trump sent his followers to the US Capitol, White prayed from the stage that God would give rally goers a holy boldness and that every adversary would be overturned right now in the name of Jesus. She said of Trump, I secure his purpose, I secure his destiny. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner are reportedly advising the AFPI, which hopes to double its initial $20 million budget by 2022. The Hill reported that the group plans to move its headquarters from the Virginia suburbs to Capitol Hill, where AFPI would be neighbors with other right-wing groups, including the Massive Heritage Foundation, which helped vet Trump's judicial nominees and supported his administration's policies. I'm surprised it's as low as 20 million. I mean, Trump has a lot of money. I mean, he's got, how much does Trump have? Uh, Trump probably has somewhere around $3,999 million, right? I mean, $4 billion, let's be generous. Let's assume he's got a lot. Why only 20 million out of that 3,999 million. Separately, notorious Trump advisor Stephen Miller has created his own group with the America First branding, America First Legal, which hopes to tie up Biden administration initiatives in the courts, something that'll be easier to do thanks to the ideologues that Trump and Republican senators filled federal courts with over the past four years. That is a goddamn shame. I'm really not sure why Trump gives a shit anymore. In fact, didn't the guy say he was, if Biden won, he was going to leave the country? What happened? Why didn't he leave? I'd love to live in America that's Trump-free. That'd be fucking fantastic, right? MSNBC's Steve Benen had a snarky response to the launch of a Trumpian policy institute. Quote, why in the world would veterans of Team Trump need a policy institute? The group's mission is to perpetuate the former president policies, which sounds vaguely interesting until one realizes that the former president doesn't really have any policies. Whenever Trump would try to come up with something resembling a governing agenda, it it quickly became obvious that he had poorly thought out whims, which contradicted the agenda of those around him, which were impractical and borderline illegal, and which he'd routinely abandoned based on random segments he saw on Fox News. 100% agree on that. What the fuck, man? It's ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. The announcement is also likely to draw the attention of white nationalist Nick Fuentes, who told attendees at his America First Political Action Conference in February that the biggest threat to the America First movement came from politicians who try to boost their own fortunes by using the movement's rhetoric while advancing an establishment agenda. It honestly doesn't surprise me at all to learn that Paula White is involved in something like this. I just have no fucking clue how somebody like this, somebody like Paula White, is allowed to be this involved in politics without getting in serious legal trouble for it. I thought that the U.S. was supposed to be a secular country on paper. I thought we were supposed to have a separation of church and state. What happened? Why is there a spiritual advisor who is leading political goals, political agendas, political committees and PACs? How is this legal and why is it happening? How can we further the goals of secularism and get this woman out of government? Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Rick Wiles' bizarre ideas. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. 
you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled Rick Wiles, a Satanic Zionist Power is Controlling America. This is brand new. This is on the Friendly Atheist website and it's written by Beth Stoneburner, but the video just came out. Now we're going to watch the video, but before we watch the video, I wanted to give you guys a little reminder of who Rick Wiles is. It's been a while since I've covered this guy, no pun intended. So let's give this video a watch and see what he had to say. We've reached a point. I, I mean, I'm a free enterprise person, and and I I, I have no um, no ill will towards anybody in their financial success. I hey, you want to be a zillionaire? You're a quazillionaire? I don't care. Right? You want to go buy a planet? Go buy a planet. I don't care. But when you use your money and power to change my life, to take away my rights, to try to force things on me that I object to, that I find morally repulsive. When you try to restrict my free speech, when you try to promote population control, you want to pump vaccines into my body. Oh, please, dude. Just lay on all the conspiracy theories, please. Let's have all of them. Needless to say, this guy is a conspiracy theorist. Now, in this segment that we're watching here, what he was actually talking about is he said that he wanted to eliminate billionaires or he wanted to take their money all of their money all of the money that billionaires own he wanted to take it away from them um, specifically listing bill gates mark zuckerberg creator of facebook and jack dorsey creator of twitter and he said he wanted to take all of their money and kind of as an afterthought just an aside he's like you know what we'll give it to the poor and he said i don't want the government to have it that's terrible that's a terrible idea so my question is, who's taking the money if it's not the government? I mean, there's an institution who takes money from people and, and puts it toward programs that people need. It's called the government. The government takes that money from people and puts it into social programs. It's literally exactly what he's talking about. But that's really the danger behind this rhetoric. This is populism. This is populist rhetoric. This guy is a hard right Republican extremist pastor, televangelist. True News is his TV show. He is very, very extreme hard right. And he's saying things here that I can agree with. I would love it if we could tax billionaires more and spread the wealth around so that the income inequality gap isn't as wide. I would love to see that. Somehow, I have come to the same conclusion as this hard-right extremist evangelical that billionaires should be taxed, or that we should take the money away, actually, not that they should be taxed. He doesn't want them taxed. He just wants to take their money. That's what populism is, ultimately. That's the danger. The fact that the left and the right can agree on something but they agree for completely different reasons, 
and their ultimate goals are completely different from each other. This is the kind of thing that gets people sucked into like an alt-right pipeline, a neo-Nazi pipeline, that kind of thing. Let's keep watching this clip by Rick Wiles. When you want to change society, you know what? You're my enemy. Mm. You're my enemy. And the only way you're able to do it is because you're a billionaire. So then we need to take away your billions. Black and white thinking, us versus them, good versus evil thinking. Um, that kind of mentality is a hallmark of a cult. You find that in every cult from here to Texas. They all have an enemy that they've dehumanized. That is dangerous. Dehumanizing people like that is a step in the wrong direction. Bill Gates, if he was working a job, seven to five, if he was going to work, like everybody else, Bill Gates wouldn't be doing this stuff, would he? No. This is a reasonably normal clip, kind of. I mean, he kind of goes off into la-la land a little bit when he talks about you know, pumping vaccines into you and censoring your free speech and all of that other shit. But the real danger here is the populist rhetoric. This next clip, though, this should give you a clear idea of who this guy really is. The quintessential Rick Wiles. Let's watch. Run that video again and with no audio, okay? Uh, we'll talk over it, okay? So, so watch Mr. McConnell here. I know what he's about to say, and you're just like, my, my brow is so fucking furrowed. It doesn't get more furrowed than this. It's about to get fucking cringy. Strap in. What are we watching for? Right there. His hands. What, what are you seeing, Doc? You telling us he loves us? Right there. Look at that. Look at that. What is Mitch? Are you sending us a signal? Oh, my God. Mitch McConnell has his hands just he's kind of putting his hands together like kind of Mr. Burns style, you know, and this dude is reading it as an Illuminati signal. You've got to be kidding me. I'll let our audience decide. What do you think it is? I'll let our audience decide. What do you think it is? Oh, my God, dude. These people have no shame. They have no shame. There he is, and he does it for about a full minute in his uh, presentation here. Is it a Masonic hand sign? Yes, it is. So, and he does it for a good solid minute, minute and a half all the way uh, through this. So, This is an embarrassment. These people have no shame. Even if they were on our side, even if they agreed with us, even if they were fighting for the right causes, even if they wanted to increase uh, inclusion if they wanted to m let people compete in the sports categories that they identify with, if they wanted to further gay marriage, make it more acceptable, gay relationships, make them more acceptable, I still wouldn't want anything to do with these people. These people are conspiracy theorists. They believe in violence. They believe in an ends justify the means mentality. That's what these people are all about. Rick Wiles, Greg Locke, Johnny Enloe, uh, Robin Bullock, all of these people, Kat Kerr, they all believe in this ends justify the means mentality. Anything to accomplish our goals, lying, cheating, manipulating, stealing, violence, whatever it takes, we'll do it. That's the difference between an atheist like myself. That's the difference between me as an atheist and these hard-right evangelicals. This isn't a difference of opinion. This is a difference in morals. Are you willing to commit acts of violence to accomplish your goals? I say no. They say yes. It's disturbing.
So now that we've given the lead up to who Rick Wiles is, let's watch the video that brought me here in the first place. The reason the ruling deep state of America hates the Russian people and wants to destroy them, it's really at the heart of it. It is the satanic Zionist power that overthrew the Russian government in 1917 did a human blood sacrifice. Okay, now we're exiting reality and entering delusion land all over again. That did not take long. Okay, so he's saying that Jewish people performed a blood sacrifice on an empire, on the Russian empire, question mark? Is that what he's saying? In 17, did a human blood sacrifice of the Romanov family. Yeah. Of the Romanov family, okay. A satanic ritual where they slaughtered the Romanovs. Okay. I'm sorry. This is just too fucking much, man. This is too much. This is too fucking much. First of all, I just want to point out, Jewish people, by and large, don't believe in Satan because Satan didn't exist in the Old Testament. Um, there is a single mention that people usually bring up when I say that, and it's the it's Job. The Old Testament has the book of Job, and in the book of Job, it details supposedly Satan attacking this guy to prove that God is, you know, he's only loyal to God because of what he has given him. That doesn't actually talk about Satan in the original text. It talks about an adversarial angel, basically. It doesn't say Satan. The, the concept of Satan didn't really exist until the New Testament. And even then, it didn't exist until like way, way later. The fact that this guy is buying into this conspiracy that Jewish people performed a satanic ritual, that just makes it that much more absurd. It's already absurd to begin with. It makes it that much more. The Romanovs is a satanic blood sacrifice that same group of Satanists that overthrew the Russian people. I thought they were Jewish. He said Zionist plot. They're Zionists, right? Not Satanists, but Zionists. Are they one and the same to this guy? Does he believe they're the same? Well, 1917, that's what controls America today. That spirit right there is what is destroying the United States of America, destroying our freedom, destroying our culture. That spirit right there. That's what's making war against Russia. They overthrew it. They got free. They got out from under its bondage. And so who's under its bondage now? The American people. Right. We're under the bondage of that same satanic spirit. I'm waiting for him to crack a smile and start laughing, but it's not happening. This is so sad that people genuinely believe this, that, that people listen to this guy. They're listening to him and believing what he's saying. It's heartbreaking. And it's embarrassing. Same satanic spirit. Who attacks us? Who's always attacking us? Zionist. Who's Zionist. Obviously, Zionist is code for Jewish person. According to the dictionary, Zionist is a supporter of Zionism, a person who believes in the development and protection of a Jewish nation in what is now Israel. Zionists are who this guy is attacking. If that's not a dog whistle for being anti-Jewish, I don't fucking know what is. Like, at what point do we start calling these people 
Nazis, really. Like, no hyperbole, no joking around. When do we start using that term for these people in all seriousness, really? There's nobody else attacking me. Zionists. That's not every Jewish person. It's the Zionists. It's the satanic Zionists. They are satanic. And all Zionists are Bolsheviks wearing different hats. You better believe it. <laughs> Seriously, man. These, these people have exited reality and entered delusion land. That's all they Henry, are. Old Henry Kissinger is one of them. Old Alan Greenspan's one of them. Who has weakened America? Greenspan and Kissinger. Okay, first of all, I know Henry Kissinger. I believe he, wasn't he the Secretary of State during Vietnam? He's a really, really bad guy, actually. He did a lot to hurt the country and the world more generally. But it wasn't because he was Jewish. That had literally nothing to do with it. Nothing. I didn't even know the guy was Jewish. I'm just assuming he is based on fucking context clues here. Based on what old Rick Wiles is saying. But what is it about being Jewish that is inherently bad to this guy? This is disturbing rhetoric. Seriously. Disturbing rhetoric coming from this guy. I'm saying this... All sincerity, no hyperbole behind this. This is how World War II happened. This is the mindset that people held right here. This is it. This is what people believed in Germany in World War II. This is how it starts. We should all be worried. Now they want war with Russia because the Russian people got free of their chains and bondage and returned to Christ. That's what it's about. They returned, the Russian people returned to Christ. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know whether the Russian people returned to Christ or not, quote unquote. I know the church has always played a really big role in Vladimir Putin's control of power in Russia. And as a result, Putin has always been very interested in pushing the state religion and preventing people from worshiping in more fringe religions like Jehovah's Witnesses. I assume what he's talking about is it used to be a nationally atheist country, I believe, because it was communist and, and China is still nationally atheist. But I, I guess what he's saying is they came back to Christ. They didn't really. Putin is just using it as a means of power and control, but that's another subject for another day. Let's give this article a read by Beth Stoneburner, see what she said. Right-wing pundit and professional anti-Semite Rick Wiles, who said months ago that we should execute supposed liberal traitors, now claims the United States is under control of satanic Zionists. Uh, something else to make note of about this. Um, usually as I go through this, I highlight, you know, I highlight things. I I've always done that. Guess what happens when I try to highlight now? Alert, content is protected. Son of a bitch, I can't highlight. That's really weird, I wonder why. Right-wing pundit and professional anti-Semite Rick Wiles, who said months ago that we should execute supposed liberal traitors, now claims the United States is under the control of satanic Zionists, quote-unquote. So this is a quote from the video clip that we just watched. It's the satanic Zionist power that overthrew the Russian government in 1917. The same group of Satanists that overthrew the Russian people in 1917, that's what controls America today. 
Now they want war with Russia because the Russian people got free of their chains and bondage and returned to Christ. That's what it's about. The Russian people returned to Christ. End quote. This is Beth Stoneburner. It's not every Jewish person, quote unquote. Well, thanks for that. The Jews feel so much better now. The insult, satanic, also doesn't hold much water when it's used to describe a demographic that these days doesn't even believe in Satan. Exactly what I said. Good point. You know, for as old as anti-Semitism is, you'd think its followers would at least come up with some original material. Accusations of blood libel are just as illegitimate today as they were back in the medieval period. All they do is leverage more unjustified hate against an already marginalized group. I could be wrong here, but I believe Beth Stoneburner is a Christian, so I find it fascinating that a Christian on an atheist blog is defending Jewish people. I See, this is really the key difference between myself as an atheist and religious extremists on the far right. This is the key difference. A level of morality that doesn't seem to exist on the other side of this debate. I don't believe in destroying people and their reputations by any means. I don't believe in violence or lying, or cheating, or stealing, or any of that shit. I don't believe that it's right to do this shit just to accomplish your political or religious goals or whatever. I don't believe in that shit. But here we are with these people, like, lying and attacking people and destroying people's reputations and all of this other insane shit just to accomplish their political goals. When will they exit delusion land and enter reality with the rest of us? Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Stuart Allen Clark's history of misogyny. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, After Weeks of Silence, the Pastor Whose Sexist Sermon Went Viral is Back. You guys remember this guy from this clip, right? And, and ladies here, here's the thing you need to know about men. Don't give him a reason to be like this distracted boyfriend. You hear me? Don't give him a reason to be looking around. Hello? Do you remember that guy? Famous for saying some real questionable shit about women in relationships, giving really questionable relationship advice. Well, he's back. I figured what we'd do is we'd take a look at this clip one more time, then we'll listen to this guy break his silence on the subject. So let's watch this clip. Turn around. Hello? Why is it so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Why is it? Why do they do that? Now look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. Okay, that's a really, really weird comparison to make, pointing out that Melania is like the perfect woman, which is the wife of his spiritual leader, Donald Trump. That's just really, really strange. That's just really fucking odd to me. Why would you even go there? Why would you do that? 
these people, I, I don't think they realize how cringy they are, in all seriousness. Not. In all fairness, I don't think I realize how cringy I am either, so I'm probably fucking really cringy sometimes. I have no idea. Trump? I'm not saying that at all. Not most. Look at this shit. The guy had his slides lined up. This is a picture of Melania. He planned out this sermon. This is something that he was ready to go into. Right? I mean, that's what it seems like. This wasn't off the cuff. He's got a slide of Melania Trump right here. He must have known he was going to be talking about this this day. It can't be trophy-wise, but you you know, like her, maybe you're maybe a participation trophy. I don't know, but all I can say is not everybody looks like that. Amen. Not everybody looks like that. But but you don't need to look like a butch either. But you say, how can I do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. You hearing this guy? What went through his head to make him think that it was a good idea to say some of the shit that he said? Seriously. How does your mind get there? How did you get to the point where you felt that it was a good idea to talk about not looking like a butch, quote-unquote? I'm so glad you asked that question because you're in my office, you and your husband, and we're talking about your marriage, and uh, you've asked me this question about what can I do about that? All right, if you were sitting in my office, here's the first thing I'd say to you, and boy, I hate to say that, this is why I don't do marital counseling anymore, and that is weight control. He's talking about being in a marriage counseling situation where he's counseling people on, on how to improve their marriage, and his answer is weight control. If you're in a situation where your marriage is crumbling, your marriage is completely falling apart, it's not because of weight control. And if, if it is, you're a piece of shit. If your key complaint about somebody is driving you to break up with them, to divorce them, is weight control, I have a problem with that. Now, there are some levels where I can understand like health-wise, you know, if somebody is 700, 800 pounds or something like that, it's very detrimental to their health and you have to be involved in helping them. A lot of medical issues come along with that. That's a different thing. That's not what this guy's talking about right now. This guy is unironically giving the advice that women just need to lose weight to improve their marriages, thus putting the onus on the women. It's their responsibility to keep the relationship going, their responsibility to keep it healthy. So how important is this? Let me tell you something. I have a friend. He has put a divorce weight on his wife. That's how important this is. It shouldn't be that important. It should not be like that. If you would put a divorce weight on your wife, maybe you don't deserve the wife in the first place. If you would divorce your wife and tear your family apart... Tear your children's lives apart because your wife hits 195 pounds instead of the 180 that she's usually at. You have deeper problems to deal with. That's just fucking wrong. I wanted to give you guys that little reminder of, this, of who this guy was. Now, as it turns out, that wasn't his first rodeo. I wondered if that was all off the cuff, if that was just him talking shit one day at church, right? But then I thought to myself, you know, he had this slide of Melania. He had to have this sermon lined up and planned out from the beginning, right? I mean, the, the, the slide was in there. He had his whole PowerPoint all set up. Not just that one, but this slide too, this 
this meme, the guy looking back and the girlfriend holding his hand, getting upset and all that. He had the shit planned out. He knew what he was going to say. This is not off the cuff, right? Let's read the article and see what it says. Articles written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website. Title is, After Weeks of Silence, the Pastor Whose Sexist Sermon Went Viral is Back. Pastor Stuart Allen Clark of First General Baptist Church in Malden, Missouri, has issued his first public statement in months after becoming the poster child for for misogynistic Christian leaders everywhere. Back in February, Clark delivered a sermon saying women needed to lose weight to prevent their husbands from straying, as if it's their fault, and they should emulate Melania Trump, whose husband, by the way, strayed repeatedly, that women don't need to look like a butch, quote-unquote, and that a friend of his put a divorce weight on his wife. Those were just some of the lowlights. That clip soon went viral and Clark's sermon began circulating around the world. Making matters worse, it turned out that it wasn't even a one-time problem. Another sermon excerpt from two years ago showed Clark saying many of the same things, including the notion that physical beauty is within the reach of every woman, by which he means skinny and nothing else, and more criticism of women who look like butch, quote-unquote. I actually ended up getting my hands on the clip, so let's watch some of it. Well, man, if I was a woman, I'd want to be beautiful. I think that's what every, every woman desires to be, is to be beautiful. What a bizarre clip, like, what a bizarre, like, PowerPoint slide to have, right? Man, if I were a woman, I'd want to be beautiful. What a strange clip to put into a PowerPoint. I wouldn't want to just be beautiful. I'd want to be hot, you know, that's what I'd want to be. Uh, so let me ask you this. I've been wondering this for years. If beautiful women from the South are called Southern Bells, does that mean women, beautiful women from Mexico are called Taco Bells? I mean, is that, is that, is that what that means? What's wrong with this guy, honestly? Um, and I said that to say this. There's not a man alive that doesn't want a beautiful woman on his arm. Or a woman he considers a beautiful on his arm. I, I'm just telling you the truth. That's the way... We're hooked up. I'm kind of gender fluid today. I'm on bounce back board, so please be with me. Bear with me. I'm sorry. You're gender fluid today. I'm bouncing back and forth. What does that mean? What is he even talking about? I don't understand. What's he getting at? You know, um, not a man alive. And so, so if I was a woman, I, I wouldn't mind being arm candy. That's okay. I wouldn't mind being a dish or a doll, a babe. Uh, I wouldn't mind being all that. I wouldn't mind having an hourglass figure either, like 36, 24, 36. When I'm in it, I wouldn't mind having a zero to four dress size. That would be something maybe that I, that I would think that that's beautiful, but uh, I also want to be a natural blonde. What a scumbag, dude. I'm sorry. I, the, the whole point here is that this isn't a new thing. This wasn't off the cuff. The guy has been saying this kind of thing for years. I mean, needless to say, dude is a scumbag. Seriously. What other word can you use for somebody like this? Anyway, let's get back to the article. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. On March 2nd, the Deacon Ministry team at First General Baptist Church put out an extremely brief statement on their website. It said, Pastor Stuart Allen Clark has taken a leave of absence and is seeking professional counseling. That's interesting. Professional counseling, huh? I couldn't tell you how serious that statement was when they released it. A leave of absence was necessary, sure, but it wouldn't help if Clark held on to those same awful sexist beliefs. It would help if he wasn't in the position of power where he's spreading these shitty ideas to other people from a position of authority. It would help in that situation. Professional counseling was good too. 
but not if Clark was going to see some faith-based counselor who told him his beliefs were biblically sound but needed to be delivered with more grace. The public was never told who Clark was seeing, what his rehab looked like, or anything else for that matter. In fact, they locked down their entire social media presence. I remember when this happened, because from what I know, I believe that the church that he was a pastor of, I think that he was like the leader of the church. I think he had to answer to like a general conference or something like that, but I feel like I remember reading, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, because it very well could be, I feel like I remembered reading that the church leaders had no recourse. It was his choice whether he came or went in that church. I guess the deacon ministry team decided that it was too bad, that the press was too bad on this, and they were going to have to force him out no matter what it took, apparently. At least that's what they're saying, whether they actually did or not. Let's keep reading. The public was never told who Clark was seeing, what his rehab looked like, or anything else for that matter. In fact, they locked down their entire social media presence. Their Facebook page was shut down. They stopped streaming any of their services on YouTube. Their archive of past sermons was removed from Vimeo. They made their Twitter account private. Clark disappeared from the internet almost entirely. Even the church's usual hashtags, like IGB Malden, had no hits, suggesting to me that church members were either told not to use them or that the church stopped meeting. Holy shit, that's a big deal. That finally changed last night. I wish I could tell you I know this for reasons that don't involve obsessively checking their social media pages every single day for the past several weeks because I figured this was coming. For the first time in nearly six weeks, there was an update on the church's website, featured a statement from Clark and another one from the deacons. The church's Twitter account, still locked down, also includes a new website URL, fgbcmalden.org, instead of igbmalden.org. Both URLs currently go to the same place. So here's Clark's quote-unquote apology, or his response to the social media uproar that came as a result of him acting like a scumbag. Dear church and community, on Sunday, February 21st, 2021, I delivered a sermon about men's needs in a marital relationship. In the sermon, I made insensitive remarks about women and made statements deemed unbiblical. Oh, wow. Unbiblical statements. Okay. To the ladies within the church, ladies in the community, and those viewing our live stream, I want to say I'm deeply sorry for any and all pain or distress that my words brought on you. I want to say to the church that I'm truly sorry that I embarrassed you. I have no one else to blame but myself, and I own the hurt I have caused to both people inside and outside the community. Okay, fascinating. So right now he's addressing the people uh, who put pressure on him, basically. This is who inspired the change in the first place. This is who inspired the apology. The people in the church who were embarrassed by the fact that the church was put in the spotlight and attacked relentlessly. That's what it looks like to me. Since February 28th, I have taken a leave of absence. I am meeting regularly with a professional counselor. I've secured an accountability partner, and we and we are and will continue to meet regularly. An accountability partner. Isn't that what people have when they have addictions? An accountability partner follows you around everywhere, makes sure you're not using drugs. Uh, I don't think talking bad about women is something that you go to rehab for. I think you just need to, like, I think you just need to reevaluate your views. It's not like a heroin addiction. 
I recognize and understand that what I said was imprudent and discourteous. I sincerely ask for your forgiveness and to be restored as your pastor. I genuinely believe this is the best way forward. Sincerely yours and his, Stuart Allen Clark. Wow. So he was removed from being a pastor completely, and he's trying to get his job back. Fascinating. So it's been like, what, six weeks or something, I think he said? And now he's asking for his position back. Very interesting. This is Hemant Mehta. It's a start. So much goes unanswered, though. We still don't know what kind of counselor he's seeing. It's not clear if he's apologizing for the way he spoke or the underlying beliefs themselves. We don't know when or if he plans to step into the pulpit again, though he says he hopes to return soon. The deacons are also light on details. This is a quote from the deacons. Uh, this is the deacons' response to everything. We, the deacons of the First General Baptist Church of Malden, Missouri, offer this unreserved apology to our congregation, our surrounding communities, our, de our denomination, and the followers of Jesus Christ everywhere. Wow! They, they honestly realize how serious this was. Like, this really caught fire on social media. As deacons, we became complacent. We accepted God's blessings toward our church as signs of his favor without adequately attending to our responsibility that the complete principles, truths, and love of Christ are presented from our church's pulpit. We bear the blame for not offering our pastor counsel, correction, and restoration when errors or inappropriate content was presented. We are called to model Christ's love through forgiveness and restoration toward our pastor. This is our goal, and we encourage the congregation toward the same love and forgiveness. We should all pray for the unity and harmony of our body that we could advance the, the cause of Christ in our own lives, in the life of our congregation, and in the lives we are called to witness in the surrounding communities. Let us all trust Christ that he will accomplish his purposes for the glory of his kingdom. End quote. This is Hemet Mehta speaking again. It's clear that the church's leaders want Clark to return to the pulpit. What they won't say is what Clark did wrong. Again, was the problem his language or his beliefs? Because if those beliefs don't change, this church is still going to have problems in the future. There's absolutely no indication anyone running this place has learned anything over the past six weeks. It sounds like they're just hoping the scrutiny has subsided, and the public's attention is elsewhere. There's also no acknowledgement from Clark or from the deacons that these problems have been going on for years. So are they half-heartedly apologizing due to all the bad publicity? Of course, because they don't seem to realize they've been allowing this misogyny to represent their church long before they became synonymous with it. For what it's worth, the church's social media accounts are still offline as I write this. It's not clear when Clark will be preaching again, but it could be as soon as this weekend. Portions of this article were published earlier. I have to say, I get the impression from this whole thing. I think that the guy, I think the guy doesn't have a job except for pastor. He has no skill set, no value to the community in any way, shape, or form, except as a pastor, which to me means no value at all. I mean, he's not offering a service that offers any good to the public in any form at all, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, he's actively damaging the public. As far as I can tell, it seems like this guy is just trying to get his job back as pastor because he he has no other choice. What's he going to do? Work at Starbucks or, or McDonald's? This is his life. This is his career. 
And that's exactly why the Clergy Project exists. I don't know if you guys are aware of the Clergy Project, but I think it was started by Richard Dawkins. Now, you know, problems with Richard Dawkins aside, the Clergy Project is something that needs to exist. I'm glad that it exists because I certainly didn't realize until hearing about the Clergy Project that pastors are full-time employees of the church and like Catholic priests or whatever, they put these people in church housing that's owned by the church. They live in the church house and the church pays their salary to be a pastor. What skill set do they have? What do they do if they stop believing? Nothing. They have no choices left. They have nothing to do. They have to start from zero. Like most people start at low level, like entry level jobs in their mid, early to mid 20s, work their way up through their 30s and their 40s and become skilled laborers with experience. That's usually how the workforce operates. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't always operate that way. And we do have older people in entry level jobs and that is a problem that needs to be resolved. But when you're a pastor at say, 50 years old. I don't know how old this guy is. I'm guessing he's probably in his mid-40s, actually. Say you're 45 years old, and all you've ever done is pastor a church. You have no skills, and this church has provided a standard of living for you. Say you make $3,000 a month working for this church. What is that? 3 times 12 is... Uh, about $36,000 a year. Respectable, right? It's respectable income. And on top of that, the church pays for your housing. They put you in church housing. So you don't even have to pay rent or utilities. And it's tax deductible because you're a religious leader. That's decent fucking money. I have to say, that's decent money. What entry-level job are you going to be able to get where you're making that kind of money? None. They don't exist. The entry-level job does not exist. It's going to allow you to maintain your living, your, your lifestyle. Now, you could take a massive pay cut, get a, you know, cut that in half, at least, and you're paying taxes, and get an entry-level job working at McDonald's or something in your 40s, mid-40s. Or, or, you could apologize for saying something really fucked up and stupid and humbly request to become, to be restored as the pastor of this church once again. I genuinely, I genuinely believe this is the best way forward, quote unquote. Sincerely yours and his, Stuart Allen Clark. I bet. Of course this is about money. Of course this is about getting your career back. Honestly, can't blame the guy for trying. That, that's kind of a tough situation he's in. But like I said, being the pastor of a church, in my opinion, is toxic to the core. You are doing active damage to society. This guy, specifically. This guy, specifically, is doing active damage to society. as the Acting as a pastor to this church. I hope with everything in me that they don't restore him as pastor, but they probably will. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.
If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.